Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Milneton Life Changes family. It's a real privilege to be here this morning together with you all. And I'm going to share briefly. Shirley's going to share And then I'm going to wrap it up with just a 10, 15 minute exhortation, charge and challenge to you. But as Brett and Henry were sharing, um, Shirley and I, over the last 18 years in March, next uh, two months time, it will be 18 years that we've been in Cape Town. It's been an adventure of note. But where we are today would never have happened if it wasn't with faithful people, and faith-filled people. So I want to thank those that have journeyed together with us. I know there's, I know Henry and Brett and Shelley. Then I know there's Aidan and Leanne that are here. Um, where's Warren and Inga? You guys at the back, Duran. Hey, Duran, how many years have we known each other? Too long. <laughs> 14, somewhere around? 14, 15, I remember you, you and Carl used to sit on our patio there and we used to have these big, deep discussions. And Kathy at the back there, it's so wonderful. I don't know how many years, Kathy? About 10 years. And it's, it's actually been amazing and a huge privilege to be able to journey together with you. Can I say we are in love, indebted to those that have journeyed together with us. When we started in 21 Jenny Lane, March 1999, it was a a challenge, just the four of us, but we've watched God's grace, God's favor, God's kindness. And then from there, how many of you know the Virgin Active is today? Before it was the Virgin Active, it was the Tableview Health and Racket Club. We used to meet in there, and we used to celebrate Jesus there, and then from there we used to go out. And then the library hall that Brett and Shelley and Henry and Jeannie mentioned about and then to our, our, our current facility that we have, we want to thank those that have teamed together with us. Because without team, nothing significant can be accomplished. It's team that makes the dream happen. And I want to thank you all for walking together with us through the valleys and celebrating on the mountaintops and journeying together. It really, really is a huge privilege as we celebrate this last week um, some of you might know them, Murray and Michelle Hurd. They were our first converts when we planted Life Changes Church. Very first converts. And today they lead a church in Jeffreys Bay. And we were able to meet this week together down here in Cape Town on holiday. And we had a bride together and just had a wonderful time of rich, rich fellowship and friendship, which was very, very special. Also, there's another couple... Les and Sharon Woods, some of you may know them. They were our very first eldership couple in Life Changes. And he retired about seven years ago. And he's uh, in a church just outside East London. And when on our way back to Durban, is we're going to be popping in on the weekend of the 22nd of January. And I chatted with him about two weeks ago. And he said, Wally, that very weekend, I'm going to be ordained as an elder in that church. And we're going to be there to celebrate with them. 
And so I just see God's timing and the way God works things all out for our good and his glory. I'd like to thank all of you partners for your prayers and giving and generosity towards us, which we, we're really indebted to and want to say thank you. And I know next week when I'm at the Tableview church site is to, to thank Mark and Gabe and, and Rob and Quinton and all, all the guys just for releasing us. We really, really appreciate you guys releasing us into our new season of adventure. We're not quite sure what it's all going to entail. We don't know where we're going to stay in Durban. We do know we've got a, a, some friends in a church, Red Point. We're going to be based there initially. Um, but God's faithful to lead and direct and to guide. And so we're excited and we still covet your prayers. We still ask you to continue to pray for us. Um, we're trusting for a tenant for our home to rent. And there's a number of things that we need to put in place, but it's all coming together. But thank you for releasing us into that. Now, before I share with you that which is burning in my heart, I'm going to ask Shirley to come up, my wife, my helpmeet, as Brett was saying, from my rib, and to share what she senses on her heart, and then I'll continue to share thereafter. Thank you, love. Friendship has only been developed over the last few years, but 
I've loved, to see, I've loved seeing your growth, the way you've blossomed, the way when you came through the identity course, you just took what you learned and you took it into the workplace <laughs> and you started doing it with the ladies at work. Well done. Um, I just, that's what life's about, um, is when God does a work in our lives to then take that transformation out and impact other people. And um, I know a lot of you don't know us, so I just, I want to really talk more, for, I want to thank those that are in the future going to shape LCC. Um, thank you for that. I want to say, plug in, yeah. put your roots deep, mm. um, reach out, love people, and draw them in. Yeah. Love people in the workplace. Um, when you, within, I won't be, no, no, I'm taking what he said. No, no go for it. Right go for it, love. <laughs> um, yeah, just thank you for what you, how you're going to shape the RCC Beautiful. in the future. And then I just thought about what I would say as far as my um, parting words would be as an elder woman, um, as a, just speaking from my mom's heart. And um, I just felt I want to share something that's just so real for me because I don't want to impart knowledge because we can all give away knowledge. But we want to give away what is real to us because when something is real to us, it transforms others. And, um, and so what is so real to me, and, and uh, from the moment I got saved, and I thank God that he's worked this into my heart, and that is, I love the scripture in John 17 verse 3 where it says that, and this is eternal life, that you may know him. That you may know him. And that's my passion in life is... Is uh, in looking at life, I've been a Christian for about 35 years, 36 years, and there's two things that are important. Um, the one is getting to know God, because eternal life doesn't start the moment you die. Eternal life starts the, morning, the moment you get born again. And it says eternal life is to get to know Him. Get to know Him. Yeah. And that's in everything that happens in life, even through the trials, even through the hard times. It's those moments God wants to reveal Himself to you yeah. so you can get to know Him. Um, and that's what life's about. And then it's to take what you, what is real for you and then go and express it and reflect it to those people around you and, and into the world. And so I just want to um, just... Um, Mention one scripture. It's in Romans um, 5. If you want to turn there. It says, Romans 5, verse 3 to 5. It says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. And um, one thing, uh, it, it says there that suffering produces perseverance. And there's one thing I've, I've realized in, as Christians is we can persevere in different ways. But there's healthy ways of persevering and there's unhealthy ways of persevering in our Christian world. Some of us, it's white-knuckle Christianity and we're just holding on, hoping things are going to get better. Some of us complain. <laughs> Some of us just, um, oh, whatever, you know. Um, and then there's those that are frantically confessing scripture, but it's underlined by fear. 
Um, and God doesn't want us to persevere in any of those yeah. ways. He has a way of wanting us to persevere that brings joy, that brings hope. Yeah. And um, I was when this is just through my own life experiences. It all started about 19 years ago, um, when God just took me through a season, and I began to ask this question. Every time I went through a different season, I would say, God, who do you want to be to me in this season? And this is how it all started. I was about, when we arrived here and we church planted, I actually was quite depressed. Um, And I went through about a seven-year depression. And in that place, I I couldn't function anymore. And I remember going and sitting on my couch, with the prescription from the doctor, and I said, God, I know you're real. I need you to reveal yourself to me. And it was in that moment that God just began broke through into my life. Now, I knew the love of Jesus, but I didn't know the love of a father. And in that moment, God came, and he became to me, in that season, my father. Because what had happened through all the, the, the difficulties... I didn't believe in myself anymore. My identity had been undermined. And when you encounter the God as a father, a father gives you identity. And so in that moment, God became to me my father. And he said to me, Shirley, if you do not do another single thing for me, I will love you just the same. And that just changed something inside of me. It was no longer knowledge anymore. It was a revelation. And suddenly all the performance of always trying to please God just faded away. But it was because I saw who God wanted to be to me in that situation. Now that's a journey that's continuing. It's my study. I just love to look at scripture and see who the Father is. Um, I've got a whole journal just where I draw. I asked Leanne, I was showing her my very rudimentary sketches because I'm not an artist by any means, but I believe Leanne says it's within all of us. We can all draw. Um, And so I've been experimenting with that and doing these sketches. And I remember just reading that scripture. It says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. And as I was drawing, I just started drawing this picture of God with these broad shoulders and I was tucked inside them. But, so my question I want to leave with you is whenever you're going through a season in your life, ask God the question, who do you want to be to me in this season? I'll just give you one or two more personal examples and then I'll end. Um, I remember a time when I felt like I just wanted to give up because it was so hard. And um, I said, I just came to Jesus and I said, Jesus, who do you want to be to me? And he said to me, I want to be your shepherd, Shirley. And I said to him, oh, shepherds are weak. I don't want you to be my shepherd. And he said to me, Shirley, shepherds chase away wolves. Do you know that? I said, oh, yes, of course. I can be my shepherd. And for the next two or three years, that's what God was to me. He became my shepherd in such real ways. When there were times when I felt anxious, I could feel him say, okay, come to the still waters. I just want to feed you by green pastures. And then he would just talk words of encouragement into my heart. Um, when I found like, the opposition and the enemy coming against me was too strong, he said, come, Shirley, come. 
show you what I've laid before you. There's a feast. <laughs> There's a table laid before you. And then you'd show me the things that he has yeah. for me. And so through every trial I've gone through, I have been able to persevere well. And I'm excited because I see that perseverance develops character. Yeah. Character in me, but also God wanting to reveal his character to me that changes me. Um, one other uh, one is um, when, uh, oh, when uh, it was a couple of years ago when I found myself in a place where I just couldn't trust. It was so difficult to trust people. And I said, God, who do you want to be to me? Father God, who do you want to be to me? And um, I believe God could heal my hurts because he's done that time and time again. He heals your disappointments. But he said to me, Shirley, I want to be your protector. I don't want to just heal you. I want to protect you. I want to protect your heart. And in that moment, he gave me a vision, and I still live with that today, as I felt God wrapping himself around me, but these, and I still remember how thick I felt the wings were. These wings were about this thick, and they wrapped themselves around me. He began to reveal himself to me as my protector, and then he said, Shirley, look, and he said, life's still going to happen. That's not going to change because life happens. And he said, well, watch what I'm going to do. And then as life happens, he took, I saw these wings and they were flinging stuff off me like this. And now I live with the thing that nothing has, gets inside of me anymore because I know him as my protector. He's got these wings wrapped around me that when life happens, I just come and I hide and I see I'm just flinging this stuff off that nothing gets inside and that I can live always in that place of love and hope and faith. Um, so yeah, I just that's my message of encouragement. If oh, anything, I want to leave with you. Ask God in every single season, who does he want to be to you? Who does he want to be to you? If you look at Jesus, Jesus, for me, he said, my father. He knew who his father was. Abraham... When you look at Abraham, he didn't say, oh, God, fulfill these promises. He said, no, I considered him who is faithful. He looked to who God was. If you look at Moses, Moses said, oh, God, I want to see your glory. What's God's glory? A demonstration of who he is. And everything in life is meant to be filtered through that. No matter what you go through, can you say, God, show me who you are? That's it. Can I get to know you through what I'm going through? Yeah. And then the next thing is reflecting, which is what Wally will share, because that's his passion. Thank you. Thank you, Don. Thank you. Would you pray? For those of you who'd like me to pray for you, I'd love if you can even just just kind of just open your hearts like this, and I just want to pray that God reveals himself to you in greater measures, because you want it to be real. You don't want to have a head knowledge. You want to know the reality. Yes, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, you see hungry hearts. Yeah. You see the hearts that want to know you, because that's eternal love. It's such, it brings such joy. It brings such um, peace. And Father, those that are hungry to know you, I just ask that you would begin to reveal yourself, because that's what you long to do, Father. You long to reveal your beauty to us, that we can walk this life God, and just seeing you and then being filled with peace and love and, and joy. That's the kingdom of God. And so, Father, those hungry hearts, I ask, Holy Spirit, would you reveal the Father and Jesus to them 
in such real ways that they'll be transformed, transformed and then take back to the world around them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, love. Thank you, love. Thank you, darling, for exhorting and encouraging us to know him that we can make him known. This morning, my charge to you as a community, as a congregation, into the future is for you as a church not to ever lose your missional edge as a church by living as sent ones. We all know that we've been called by God, we've been chosen by God, we are loved by God, but equally we have been sent by Him and commissioned by Him into the world to make a difference. And this morning my charge to you is to begin to rise up to live as sent ones. Sent ones. And there are four commissionings by Jesus Matthew 28 that you're very familiar with, Mark 16, and Luke 24. But the one we're going to briefly look at this morning is in John chapter 20, in, from verse 19 to 22. And if I could just put a little context to this portion of Scripture, the disciples who had walked, ate, slept, lived with Jesus for three years, Jesus was the closest and the dearest to those 12. And they had watched Jesus suffer the most brutal, horrific death by crucifixion. Jesus was referred to as the hope of Israel, but after the crucifixion, all hope had gone. They were devastated. They were numb on the inside, numb on the outside, and in this particular portion of scripture, reading from verse 19, I, I like to call it was the official lockdown, shutdown, whatever you want to call it. But it says in verse 19, so when it was evening on the day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, try imagine the picture of the disciples in fear and the door was shut, it was locked, and beyond that door was, I don't want to get out there. It says, all of a sudden, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, what an amazing first appearance of Jesus to the disciples. If you haven't watched the movie called Risen, I highly recommend it. I've watched it three times and I loved each time. Where Jesus just appeared to them. Imagine Imagine the shock and the horror of all of a sudden the door was locked. Nobody walks through walls, but those obstacles are nothing for Jesus. It says, then he says, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed both his hands and his side. I was reflecting hands and side, hands and side. And I felt the Lord was saying he wanted the church to begin to be his hand extended to the world, but not only the hand, but the side, his heart. Because often we can do the handouts, but if the heart is not in it, it doesn't help people up. We need to have both the heart and the hand in it. And then he said, the disciples, when they saw him, they rejoiced. So he said to them again, peace be with you. Now this is the phrase. As the Father has sent me, 
I also send you. Jesus, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And he said to them this, and then he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think anybody here appreciates anybody breathing on them. Whether you've just had a Colgate or an Aquafresh brush, it's just not cool. Whether they've had garlic or whether they've had whatever, it's just not cool. Except with this situation where Jesus breathed, something happened on the inside of them. I want to say to you, in the, every morning, part of your devotions... Said Jesus, I'm waiting for your breath of life to come into me. Lord, as you exhale, I inhale, because mission is impossible without a daily empowering of the Holy Spirit. I want to say mission is impossible without fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. And it's beyond talking in tongues. It is that, but it's more than that. God wants us to have both the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit evident in our lives. Now, the word sent is mentioned 120 times, 29 times, and it's, it's two words joined together. It's the word apostolic, apostolic, and the word means away from and sent, away from and sent. But the interesting thing about this word, the normal definition is to commission to send on a defined mission by a superior. And we're all aware of that. We're familiar with that. But there's a deeper heart understanding of this verse that if I could communicate that to you, it will help you. The word focuses back to the source. God is the one who is doing the sending, but it is strongly connected to the one being sent on mission. I'm going to say that again. The word sent, apostolic, apostolic, however you want to pronounce those that are Greek here. You need to know it's a word that is not disconnected. It's a word that's joining us to the source. I'll give you an example. On the 16th, the truck, the removal truck, comes and collects our stuff. On the next day, we're leaving for Durban. A lot of people say, bye, Wally. Bye, Shirley, we'll see you maybe next year, whenever. We are being sent. We are going. We've had people come and say, we'll see you next year, June, July, or October, whenever. Great, we look forward to the time. But the sending that Jesus is talking about, he says, go, but I'm going with you. That's the difference. That's the difference. He doesn't say, bye, all the best, cheers, Hope you make it. I'll be thinking about you, praying for you at the right hand. No, no. He says, I'm sending you, but I'm coming with you. That's why in Mark chapter 16, where Jesus said, go preach the gospel in all the world. And he says, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons, pray for the sick. And it says, the Lord worked with the disciples. There, he's confirming, you go, but I'm coming with you. And the works that I'm going to do, I'm going to do through you. You're not going on your own. In John chapter 8, Jesus said this profound thing. The one who sent me is with me and has not left me alone. See, the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. And John, Jesus said, the Father is always at work. In fact, the words that speak, they're not my words. It's the Father's words. 
And not my own words. You see, so many of us are caught up. And if I could say it as kindly as I can, we're caught up with a Sunday. But mission is Monday through to Saturday. We're so caught up with the day, come, where Jesus says go. And I want to urge you and encourage you to live a missional life beyond a Sunday. The Bible doesn't elevate one day above another. And often we make it more important. Every day is important to God. I'm not saying stop inviting people to this facility. I'm saying let's continue to invite, but let's up our game to go. Let's up our game to be missional. Because there's a massive difference between a believer and a disciple. A believer, there's 30 differences, which there was something else I was going to talk about, but we're not going to go there. See, a believer focuses on a day. Disciples focus on the life they're called to live. A believer says, come to church. Disciple says, no, let's go into the world. That was Jesus' last words. Believers focus on a building, a meeting. Disciples live to change the world where they live every single day. I want to say to you this morning, as a church, Jesus himself changed the world, changed our lives in three and a half years. Why? His vision and mission was crystal clear. He knew where he had come from. He knew what he was called to do. He knew where he was going. You know, when he started his ministry, very familiar portion of scripture, Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 18, his first public preach, he declared his dependence on the Holy Spirit and of being sent. In Luke chapter 4, it reads like this, he stood up in the temple and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the news, good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed. Can, I hear, can you hear that if Jesus' pattern and model was that of dependence and reliance on the Holy Spirit and living a sent life, everything changes. Everything changes. Jesus never waited for people. He went to people. There was a time when the disciples were coming and people would go, no, no, we've got to move on. We've got to move on. One time a particular person came and said it's found in, in Matthew chapter 8 and it was referenced to Jesus, just, just calming down, just slow down. And Jesus said, now foxes of holes, birds of nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. The only place Jesus laid his head was at the cross of Calvary. Over 40 times, just in the Gospel of John, just in the Gospel of John, Jesus refers to himself to being sent. It's nearly a hundred times in the four Gospels. Now you might say, well, what's the big deal about it? You see, when you live as a sent person, you're beginning to live on mission. You're beginning to live on mission. Let me give you some examples. In John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. John 5, 24, whoever hears my words and believes in him who sent me has 
eternal life and crossed over from death to life. He says in John 5.30, I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. You see, the one who sent is with. When you begin to let these words burn in your heart, you live differently. John chapter 6 verse 38. He says, the reason I've come down from heaven is, is not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Verse 39, the will of him who sent me is to lose none, but to raise them up. But my personal favorite is John eight twenty-nine, where Jesus said, over here, the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. And there's numerous others. If I could encourage you just to reflect upon that. Can I say we need to let the voice of Scripture be the loudest voice in our lives? And if, if it was an important thing for Jesus, it needs to be important to us. Now, in, you might say, well, well, how do we begin to practically outlive this in our lives? Four important points. What Jesus modeled, you can look in the, in the book of Acts. It, it just, you look at the word sent and go in the book of Acts. It's dotted all over the place. But you and I are sent in and out of relationship and partnership with both God and man. We're sent from a position of relationship with both God and man. For me, the most encouraging thing you can know is you're sent and he's with you. To me, when people pray, oh God, please be with us. Please go with us. Please be here. My heart aches. You know what? I realize they don't know they're sent ones. They don't have an understanding of the presence of God that abides within us 24-7. And when you know that, what does that do? It gives you boldness and courage to stand up and to speak up and to speak out for Him. But if you don't know that, you'll always be living back-footed instead of front-footed. You and I are called to be His ambassadors, ministers of reconciliation, but it comes from the place of relationship with him. Just for an example, in the Old Testament, remember God called Moses to go to the Israelites and to tell them to let, to, 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 to firstly the Israelites and then to Pharaoh to let my people go that they might worship. It's interesting. Moses said, God, say I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of the fathers has sent me to you. And they asked, what is his name? God said to Moses, tell them, I am who I am, and I am has sent you. Isn't it interesting? Matthew 28, Jesus says the same thing. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, and I am with you always till the very ends of the age. You can link Matthew 28 to Exodus chapter 3. See, a sent person sees the bigger picture. I want to urge and encourage you, there's a life and a world beyond these four walls that we need to let God break our heart for. If we don't, we're just going to stay a happy bunch of Christians and miss out on the greater plan and purpose that God has. Like the disciples, they were locked in that door. They were terrified of what's beyond. But when you get to know the one who sent you is with you, guess what happens to fear? It goes. And when you begin to have his heart, his hands, anything can happen. Anything can happen. I want to say to you, 
I remember life changes where we focused on 80% of all activities and ministries beyond the four walls. To me, that was the most exciting adventure ever. The interest groups, the entrepreneurial courses we ran in schools, parenting courses, marriage courses. It was just an amazing adventure. I found that civil war happens in churches when we lose our heart for those outside that are far from him. And I want to encourage you as a church, when you and I begin to realize the importance of that, can I say to you, there's so many people with red robots. Amber, God is saying, let it be green. Somebody once said a funny thing that I had to laugh, but it was the same truth. Both amber and red lights are just suggestions on South African roads. (laughs) Can I say to you that we need to live with a green light of God's go every day in every place. Sent where? We are sent to the world in our work, our play, and our stay. Work, play, and stay. Where we live, where we go, whatever we do, is to begin to become aware of those people round about us. Can I say to you this morning, is at work, I was speaking to Warren and one or two others, oh, tomorrow's work. Can I say, don't ever go to work. Be sent to work. And when you live with, I'm sent to work, things take a different meaning. This last week, there's so much tying up of stuff that we've got to do. And one of the things I had to do is go to the hospital where we've been to different doctors over 18 years and just to collect the file of our reports from the urologist, etc., 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 so I could have the mentality, I've got to go to the net care hospital to get all the files. I've got the three all listed, off I go. But no, no, when I live with a sent mentality, and he's with me, it takes on a different adventure. It's happened this week. Just arrived, park in the parking lot, and as I arrive, there's another car. It's a GP number plate, because I've learned to become observant. Jesus was always aware of people. And there was a baby screaming in the car. I could have walked past and said, thank you, Lord. My season for that is over. (laughs) But I'm a grandpa in training. So the noise of the baby, I said, Jesus, I want to be your hands. And I want to be your heart to them. So I went over and I said, hello, I can see you from Gauteng. You've got a trailer Can I help in any way? I see your baby is yelling. Can I help? I'm from Cape Town. If you want to come to us for a cup of tea, can we help in any way? She says, no, that's not for the baby. I've been to the doctor for myself. I said, can I pray for you and encourage you? She says, no, I'm okay. I said, that's cool. But how easy could it have been just to walk past? And then as I walk through the entrance, there's a lady walking out. And I could see she had her hair shaved. So what I did, I just introduced her. I said, hello, my name's Wally. How's the treatment going? She says, I've just got a bill of clean health. And I said, whoa, I celebrate together with you. That's wonderful news. Told me her name's Wendy and told me a bit about her chemo and her radiation and everything like that. And then, I, and then we started chatting. I said, you know, through things like this, I think God gets our attention that there's more to life than often that we're living. And she says, no, I'm not into Jesus. I'm not into church. She says, it's all just human. 
It's just man-made. I said, you know, Wendy, it's interesting. I see you've still got the sticker thing here on your arm where they gave you your chemo, etc. I think it was a man that put that needle into your arm, and it was man that created the medicine to help you have a clean bill of health. God uses people. Churches are not perfect. She says, you've got a point. So she says to me, I like to talk to God in the garden. I just walk and I talk. And I said, that's, that's actually where it all began with Adam and Eve in the garden. I said, you, you're at the starting place. It's good. But I said, Wendy, you need to belong to a family. That you can be fruitful, that you can be plugged in, that your roots can go down, you can be fruitful. And I said, you've got a story to tell others. And I said to her, I know two ladies, Manya and, and Hela Adorn, two ladies have had the very same cancer that you've got and had. And they've got stories of encouraging others. Would you like to meet them? Would you like to just have a group that you can help others? She said, no. But I said, I'll tell you what, the time will come. My name's Wally, and, and I go to Life Changes Family Church. I said, if you want to help, go there. Now, guess what? I hadn't got to the doctors yet, but I had two wonderful times of encouraging people. Then I get to the doctors, and guess what? All three I had to go to were closed. <laughs> I thought, oh, no, Lord. I'm thinking, now I'm just really am. So I go into the one place because there was one of the doctor's places was open. And so I introduced myself to the lady, and, and she says, no, unfortunately, all closed. They're all only open tomorrow, the 9th. And she said, but anyhow, have a happy new year. And all of a sudden I said, you know, thank you for that encouragement to have a good year. But the best way to have a good new year is to start the year with your heart set on Jesus. I said, would you mind if I pray a new year prayer blessing over you? She looked at me and she said, why not? (laughs) So I said, cool, let's just pray together. And here this receptionist, and as I began to start praying, there were words coming that were like prophetic blessings over her life. And I just, I left, I thought 45 minutes went. I never got what I was intending to get. But I think three people received what God had in mind. You see, that's the difference between just going anywhere and being sent somewhere. See, it's a difference. Yesterday, go to fruit and veg. The day before, to fruit and veg. At the counter. There's a young lady, she's going like this. I thought, that's very unusual. She was beating her chest. I thought, <laughs> I said, oh, you're right. She said, no, there's such pain in my chest. I've got the solution for pain. Mark 16. I said, would you mind if I, I pray for you now? You know, people, when there's pain, they're very quick to say yes to pray. I said, Jesus, just in your love and your kindness, touch her life. Show her how much you love her. Can I say, if I just, going to fruit and veg, I would have missed that. But I live a scent life, and when you live a scent life, you see things. You see things because he begins to show you. Can I encourage you, on your being sent, let me move on, is you are sent to say and to do as Jesus would. You're sent to say and to do as Jesus would. And I'm there to promote Jesus I've taught on the acronym of SALT. Start a conversation, ask questions, listen, and tell your story. Be that neighborhood watch. We were house-sitting Emmanuel and Jen's home. He got new neighbors across the road. I'm just house-sitting, but I'm under divine obligation because I'm a sent one to go welcome them to the community. (laughs) 
I'm just house sitting, but welcome to the area. It's great having you as a neighbor. I've got somebody else that's going to continue to build the bridge. Then I've filled Emmanuel and he's got new neighbors. Keep loving them. See, when you live as a saint one, the world opens up to you. Yesterday afternoon, I, I get itchy. I need to get out. She knows and she just go for a cycle. Just, just get out. So I went off to, to see if I could find somebody to play squash with. And I went there and there wasn't anybody. I thought, oh my lord, that's not cool. And so I just walk around. I'm looking for somebody to chat to. And I overhear another guy talking to his other mate about a stroke he's just had. And he's, he walks with a limp and he walks with a slur. He just said the word stroke. That's my cue. I went and introduced myself. He said, tell me more. He told me it was in Bayside this week. And he actually had the stroke there and all the drama that went through it and with it. And, and I started chatting with him about how God in his mercy has spared him, but he's not finished with his life. But there's a greater plan and a purpose. He said, no, he's a Methodist. I said, that's great that you're Methodist. But it's not Methodism that gets you to heaven. It's a personal relationship with Jesus. Then this other guy, he was, we started chatting to him. He says, you know, I came to Christ two years ago when I was diagnosed with cancer. And so for the next 10 minutes, we had this cool conversation in the changing rooms. And when I left, I thought, okay, I can go home now. I swiped my card. I never sweated, but I was sent, and I had fun. Do you see, when you begin to think differently the way you look at life, I want to close with this, and I've just rushed ahead. There's a beautiful prayer in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 to 38. If you make it your daily prayer, Jesus said this, The harvest is plentiful, and the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. The harvest is out there. They're all around. She's got to be friendly and love people. God does the rest. He prepares and opens their heart. I want to say to you that so often we forget we are sent ones. What Shirley and I, Shirley started it a couple of years ago, is she sets her alarm for 9.37 every morning and in the evening, 9.37. When the alarm goes off, whatever we do, we just pause and we pray for the harvest. And we pray for specific nations of the earth. Surely he's been praying for Europe. I've been praying for the Middle East. When we're at Emmanuel and Jens, they've got Nick, 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 Netflix, Nick, or something, or other, Netflix, Netflix. And I watched a documentary on Saudi Arabia and North Korea. And I think, oh my goodness. And I've changed my prayer to North Korea and Saudi Arabia for the gospel to begin to stop penetrating those areas and places. Say, so God, begin to raise up laborers and workers to go there, strengthen the hearts of the believers. Can I encourage you, even if you set it and it goes off, make it your toilet break. Go to the toilet, even if it's for five minutes. Heartfelt prayers make a difference. Don't make it your smoke break or coffee break. Just go to a place where you can pray and say, Jesus, as I begin to pray, you know what it does? It softens your heart for the harvest. You look at people differently. You look at people differently. And I want to challenge you as husband and wife, whether boyfriend, girlfriend, make time every day to start praying for the harvest. Aidan Leanne in this high school here, you're doing a phenomenal job. It's wonderful. 
I commend you, keep going. There's a friend, two friends of mine, Ron and Andrew, that, that, that this last year, 2016, they did three Alpha courses in Paulsmore Prison. Nearly a hundred people uh, uh, over that last year period did the Alpha course. See, what it is, it's mission beyond the four walls. We're just a gathering to be envisioned and empowered by Jesus, Him to breathe on us, and then for us to go. To go and to live a life that will make a difference for the King and the Kingdom. Can I urge you, begin to live as sent ones. Not just as coming ones. Yes, coming. Because we need to be invitational, but we need to be missional. It's not all just about coming, it is, but it's about going as well. And I'd love to pray for you as I conclude and then hand over to Gabe. Could you stand, please? Father, this morning I ask you, as I've shared your word, as surely as shared, that something would have landed in hearts and minds that will redirect and change the way we live. Lord, there's a hurting, broken world out there that so desperately needs to be loved. And Lord, you want to love them through us. Lord, I ask you that you would change alignments and hearts and minds that we begin to live as sent ones. We are sent with the knowledge you are with us, you are in us, you are for us. And the words we speak and the things we do, Jesus, it's you doing the work through us. We're simply here to be obedient and responsive to your directives. Father, I pray, life changes, Church Milnerton would keep a sharp missional edge beyond the four walls here. That we would look at people with your eyes and extend your hand and heart to them. Help us to live that life you ordained us to as sent ones. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You might have come this morning. I'm aware there's a number of visitors. But if you've never made a personal commitment to Jesus, we're going to close the meeting. Please come and talk to Shirley, myself, the leadership team. In fact, anybody here ought to be able to share with you the gospel and lead you into a heartfelt personal relationship with Jesus that's real, growing, and life-changing.